God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for worship. Thank you, God, for bringing us into your presence, Lord. And now as we sit at your feet, God, we want to be Mary's, not Martha. We want our attention and focus and heart be placed on you, God. And we want to hear from you this morning. So I ask your spirit to speak through your word here. Speak through this message, God. And Lord, help us, Lord. Help us in our own trauma and questions. Help us in our own loss. And and even equip us, Lord, in how to talk to others. So pray you bless this time, anoint it with your spirit, and I ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Well, with all that's been going on here, you know, on our island here in Maui, uh, as you know, we've taken a break from our regular study through the book of Second Peter. And, and so, I, I, as you know, we, we began a few weeks ago in this. Um, we went to Isaiah 40, 41, and remember I did that uh, message on strength to get through. And, and we went over those promises that are there at the end of Isaiah 40 and Isaiah 41.10. And if you missed it, if you missed any of our messages, you can catch them on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Go to our webpage. The messages are right there. Or, of course, YouTube, our YouTube channel, Facebook. You can catch the whole service there. Well, last week, um, we started a four-part series. And... In where we're living right now, in the events, I just felt like, you know, from the Lord, it would be important to, to really tackle some hard questions. So I titled the series, When Tragedy Strikes a Fallen World. And certainly, tragedy has struck our island. I mean, not just Lahaina. We know a country has mentioned Kula. We've been going out seeing people. Uh, we know that there's displaced, yeah, Lahaina people, you know, staying families and, and keiki coming into the schools. And we've been trying to help in that area too. So it's affected us all. And especially even we're talking in the long run, right? The economy, everything, you know, and emotional trauma and everything. So when tragedy strikes a fallen world, I'm sure you guys are asking these questions or you've been asked these questions. And I thought it'd be really good to go through these questions to be able to maybe help you understand and also equip you to maybe answer someone else. So uh, in in this series, we started last week with, with the first of four questions. And the first question was, why did God allow this disaster? And if you're here, remember, we went through that. If you're here, remember, we, we saw that God is not directly responsible, right? We saw that disasters are a natural result of a fallen world. We saw that God does have sovereign power over everything. And then we saw, number four, God is sovereign enough to take any tragedy and fulfill his purpose, Romans eight twenty eight. And we also saw that we need to make the choice to trust God even if you don't know the answer to the why. So if you remember, in that, the answer to why did God allow this disaster, we really don't know specifically why. I, I, I say, I don't know. I don't know. But let me tell you what I do know. Let me, let me help you accept not knowing the why. And we went through these five things. Again, if you missed it, you can go back. Well, today we're going to go to number two. But, oh, let me give you all four questions that we're going to cover in this series. Last week was, why did God allow the, this disaster? 
Uh, today, we're going to tackle why do bad things happen to good people. Next week, we're going to go over why is there so much pain and suffering. And, we're, and one more thing we're going to cover is why didn't God answer my prayer? So some real heavy and deep questions, right? Well, today in part two of when tragedy strikes a fallen world, we're going to tackle why do bad things happen to good people? Now, perhaps you hear this type of question in different ways. You know, ask like, why did the horrible fire happen to the helpless? Yeah. Or why were the cakey affected? I mean, what they do, right? Or maybe you're sitting there going, why did this happen to me? Why is this bad going on happen to me? Throughout the ages, this question has been asked over and over in so many so many instances, so many calamities and disasters. I was reading a few years back now, after the pandemic, right? Isn't that crazy? We go through this whole pandemic, and now on this island, this is happening. But a few years back, after the pandemic, the Pew Research Center came out with the results of this survey. And so they, they asked that question, too. Why are these bad things happening? And the way they asked the question was this. They put this question out to, I think, almost 6,000 people. They put it out this way. In your own words, why do you think terrible things happen to people through no apparent fault of their own? I mean, that's the same idea, right? Why do bad things happen to good people? And so the result of that survey was this. 35% said life just happens. 13% said God's will. 8% said sin, evil in the world. 8% said, talk about free will. It's people's free will and choices that cause things. Uh, 7% said destiny or fate or karma. 6% blamed the social system. 4% say it's an opportunity for growth. And that's probably close to what we're going to be talking about. I wanted to share with you some of the quotes that were turned in to this question, right? Because in your own words, the survey went out. Uh, For example, uh, and and they, they connected these answers to where they were in their religious affiliation. But this one comes from someone who, who isn't religious. It's non-religious. This person said, it's just the luck of the draw. Real hopeful there. Uh, someone said, fate written by an unknown entity. And there was noted a, a, someone, a Catholic person wrote that. Another one was, no one can control the world. It isn't personal. A Mormon guy wrote that. Someone said, life is random and sporadic, and harm is done to good people sometimes. The most you can do is make the most out of it. Someone from the Hindu religion did that, said that. Someone else said, a combination of bad luck and a capitalistic society that punishes them by design. I was like, oh, I think that's one of the, for you conspiracy guys, I think, yeah, oh, yeah, right, you know, and that. Someone said this, the universe is a big place and scary and terrible things happen all the time. And this is connected to a neo-pagan, whatever that is, but it's it's the new pagan. I remember um, when my daughter was in high school up here at King K, you know, she was part of a Christian club. Well, there was a pagan club. 
at, in, uh, up here at King K. So this is the neo-pagan guys. I think closer to what we're going to be talking about is these two uh, quotes that I have, and they're from Christians. Uh, the first one says, We live in a fallen world. Sin entered soon after creation and has been infecting and affecting everything ever since. Right? We talked about that last week, and I'm going to bring it up again today. And the second one, it goes, uh, they turned in this, it quotes, Nothing happens by accident, even accidents themselves. It is all for a purpose and reason in each person's life. Amen. Romans 8, 28. So I think these last two are going to be close to what we'll be talking about this morning. Well, how would you answer that? You know, how, what is your answer? Maybe you've been asked that recently. Why do bad things happen to good people? You know, what is our response there? What's our response with the events and this disaster and the tragedies here on our, on our own island? You know, these questions we're covering here in this series, it, they are those difficult hard questions. They're, they're, they're deep questions. And so they require an in-depth answer. So that's why we're, we're going to take each week on, on covering each of these questions. You know, originally I was going to do it all in one message. And then, um, then I was looking at going, no, two parts. But then my wife and Faye Bimon were like, no, Rick, you, you can't do that. You, you got to do each one each Sunday. I go, okay, I hear from you, Lord, through them. No, but, um, but anyway, it, there's so much here uh, to, to talk about. So, all right, so this morning, we're going to do part two of when tragedy strikes a fallen world. And we're going to have some various scriptures we're going to go through. And today, we're going to tackle why do bad things happen to good people? Well, if you can start off here, turn to Luke chapter 13. We're going to start off here. Luke chapter 13. Luke 13. Now, as I mentioned, in these questions, there's not like a straightforward answer, you know, especially this one. Why do bad things happen to good people? There's not like something I can say, well, this and this. But at the end of our, our time, I'll, I'll give you sort of a summary of what we're learning. But it, it's hard. It's hard. And the problem with trying to give a straightforward answer to this question is that the question is actually based on some wrong assumptions. Some wrong assumptions. The premise of the question is, is, is not really according to the Bible. It, it's actually off a little bit, off target. The basis of the thinking behind the question is really not according the truth, to the truth that we see in the Bible. So in order to really answer, maybe even understand for ourselves what we're thinking behind this question, we, we need to clear out some of our premise and our wrong thinking. And that's what, what we're going to do. We're going to correct it. So we need to have, and, and I was reading this, I like this, these two words, this, this phrase, we need to have intellectual integrity. I know that's kind of big, but I thought, whoa, that's it. We want to be right in our thinking, you know. 
in how we approach these things because we usually default to something that may or is not necessarily true to what we find in the Bible about God, us, and, and the world we live in. So I love that. So we got to have intellectual integrity. And once we have that, then we can approach our concerns correctly. All right, so we're going to clear up some assumptions here. Now, the Bible tells us this, and here's the first thing. We're going to look at five things today. Here's the first thing that the Bible tells us. Number one is this. Bad things happen to good and bad people. All right? Bad things happen to good and bad people. We're going to find this here in Luke chapter 13. Take a look with me here. Uh, Actually, we'll back up. Near to verse 1, it says, There was some present at that very time who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And he answered them, Jesus said, Do you think that those Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or, verse 4, those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. All right, so Jesus is addressing this. Someone brought to him these two calamities that happened. That probably recently happened in that time. I'm not sure how long. We don't know that much information. But the first one was when Pilate, the governor, right, at that time, he came in, did a massacre of these uh, Jews from Galilee, the Galileans. And he took their blood and desecrated uh, sacrifices and all that. And it was horrible. So the people are thinking, whoa, maybe that massacre happened because these guys were sinners, Right? Uh, uh, because they, these guys, well, they're no good. They're bad people. And, and that, that's why um, Jesus is saying, well, you think they're worse sinners than everyone else? So they were, they were picked, you know? They were allowed to die that way? Well, Jesus said, no, that, that's not it at all. He says, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. In other words, no, these guys just died that way, right? I mean, it, you know, um, we know, statistics tells us that Ten people, you know, every ten person who lives, they're going to die, right? We know we're all going to die one day, part of the curse and all that. So he said, no, it was just their time of their death. And because of that, hey, you guys be, be ready for that. You better repent and be ready because it can happen any time. And then he addresses this second calamity, so to speak, was when this big tower fell and 18 died in that. I mean, unfortunate accident or whatever happened they passed away. And so in that too, people in their minds are thinking, well, they're offenders. Maybe God judged them. Maybe that's why they died. But what did Jesus say? He said the same thing. No, I tell you. It was nothing about their sin or not or anything, right? It was just their, that's the way they were to die. And so we all need to think about that one day we're going to die. And so unless you repent, you will perish. So, he's not, so basically what we're learning here is that, look, uh, bad things happen to both good and bad people. So our minds automatically, see, we default to, well, bad things 
happen to bad people, right? The problem when, he, when we ask the question of why do bad things happen to good people is we're looking through this lens of the wrong premise. We come from a, a, a wrong basis in our thinking. And so that's why we're like, whoa, wait, what's going on, right? Because here's how we think, right? We think, well, good things, they happen to what? Good people. And, well, bad things, like these people were wondering, Jesus answering, you know, oh, they got massacred in this. The tower happened to fall upon these 18 people. So we think, oh, yeah, well, bad things happen to bad people. But when bad things happen to good people, our mind like short circuits. Mine does that anyway. But, <laughs> but, right? So we're like, wait, 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 wait. That, that doesn't go along with this logic that we have. Because we see things differently. Well, if you're good, good happens. If you're bad, bad things happen, right? Right? We think, well, wait a minute. Wait, why, why did this bad happen to good? That's not how bachi work, Right? We think bachi is different. No. Or like the Hindus and Buddhists say that they're like, oh, well, good karma, you can get good karma back, right? Bad karma, bad karma, you know, fate, that kind of thing, right? So in us, it's like, wait, what, wait what's, what, what's going on here? I mean, what's happening? And it short circuits our brain, so we have a hard time. And so we ask this question, why do bad things happen to good people? On top of that, right? We have been raised, right, in this way of reward and punishment, haven't we? We've been trained in that. Like, work hard, you get a promotion or get a raise, right? Do your homework and you'll get an A, you know, on your paper, right? Uh, be nice to others and they'll be nice to you, right? Commit a crime, you go to jail, right? The punishment. Now, now, reward and punishment, it, it, it's good. It's part of what we see in Scripture. It's not bad. we got to learn the consequences for our sin. We understand God does judge sin, and we shouldn't sin, right? So it's important. Wrong is wrong. Wrong is right. So, so it's ingrained in us. But when, when, when things like this happen, uh, it, it just short-circuits us, and we're, we're trying to figure out well, what, what's going on. You know, when, when bad happens, we, we try and fit, in, fit it into our logic of what we've been trained in, what's been ingrained in us, what we think. Well, this bad, how can it happen to good? And we can't put it together. It's like, it, it, it doesn't work. And, and our mind just blows up. And we're like, ah, forget it. And then it leads us down to some other roads. I mean, take note. Think about this, right? How many of you in Christ, yeah? We have a hard time sometimes. We, we'll, we'll sin. We'll stumble. And then we're like, oh, God, I, I'm so sorry. I mean, oh, you, I, I did bad. And then, you know, you go work and something bad happens. You go, oh, God, you're punishing me, right? We, we automatically think that. Or, or we're under that regret or what, condemnation. And we feel like, oh, we're no good. God doesn't love me. I blew it. Oh, I'm going to be one of those people way in the back in heaven and, you know, all that, right? We, we, we think like that because of this way of thinking. And we forget that it says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess, confess our sins, he is faithful and just. How is he faithful and just? Because Christ died on the cross for all our sins, that he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
we forget that Romans 8.1 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, there is what? No what? Condemnation. So in Christ, the blood covers us. But in our own minds, we're kind of caught up in, in this reward punishment thing. And God is trying to change us with the truth of, of what he has done. Now, again, there is the principle, reward, punishment, do bad, you know, uh, the judgment of God, sin, all that. But we've been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. So when we approach this question, we need to keep in mind that, number one, look, bad things happen to good and bad people. We need to change our, our default in our thinking here. Matter of fact, matter of fact, being godly, right, it does not exempt you from bad things. Listen to what Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 3.12, and this is the New Living Translation version. He wrote this, yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Get that. God, I didn't sign up for this. Yeah, I know you didn't, but that's the reality, you know, kind of thing. It's like, oh, I wish it wasn't. You know, when we come to Christ, it's not like everything rosy and great and hoo-hoo, you know, in heaven it will be. But as we go through this world, this life, we are going to run into trouble, trials, and things. So even godly, we should say, you know, even Christians, we're going to go through some hard times. And, and listen, if that quote-unquote bad has happened to you, do not take it as you're a target of God. I mean, I've had people told me, oh, Pastor Rick, you know, God listens to you, or, God, or you're God's favorite, you're a pastor. Well, I'm not. I'm not at all. No, God loves you just as much. God is not holding something against you. That's not our Lord. That's not what we see in the Bible. That's not what it is about knowing Jesus and being in Jesus Christ. So understand, in Jesus under his blood, when you come, confess your sins, you are forgiven. Therefore, there's no condemnation. And God accepts you, and he looks at you as his child. As his child. Understand that. All right. So, we're clearing up some bad, you know, incorrect premise, our basis of thinking. Number one is, is bad things happen to both good and bad people. Number two. What we think is good is different from God. It can be. It probably is. What we think is good is different from God, right? Because we're talking about why do bad things happen to what? Good people. So what we think what that good is, it's, it's different from how God sees things. Turn to the left to the, uh, Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. We're going to be turning a lot. So... Um, um, yeah, be ready to turn in your Bibles. I know you guys with your phones and tablets. Click, click. I'm there. But it's okay. We'll wait for everyone else who's not digital. But notice, I'm digital and I'm analog or whatever you want to call it. But, uh, but I did mark it in my Bible for this morning. So Matthew chapter 5, look at verse 48. Um, it says here, you, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So isn't that interesting? When we talk about 
good people? Why do bad things happen to the good people? What is the criteria of that good person? What is that, right? What is the criteria? I mean, what do you think right away? Oh, they're very moral, yeah? They're very moral. They're a nice person. Oh, he's a, he works hard, yeah? Oh, he, he keeps to himself. Oh, he's, he's a good father, husband. She's a good wife, mother. Oh, I, I remember my father, before he came to Christ, he felt like a very good person, like he was pointing to a neighbor that they were a bad person because they did not wash their car every week like he did. I was like, what? Well, no wonder I'm not your favorite. No, no, just joking. But <laughs> don't look at my truck today. It's just a mess. But isn't that interesting? We all have our idea, our, all our criteria of what good is, what's a good person. Oh, they don't get angry a lot, you know. Oh, they're so patient. Oh, they go to church at least once, in a, once a year. They're a good person, right? We all have our criteria. But no matter how you define what is good or what, you're, you know, what standard you have for yourself or what you hold to, you know what matters most? It's God's criteria, right? God's definition of what good is. So if you look at verse uh, 48 once more here, Matthew, he's saying you therefore what? Must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Is any of us perfect? No, that's why we're sinners. That's why we need Christ. Yeah? That's his standard. That's why Christ came. So Jesus is saying, look, are you perfect? you got to be perfect. No, that to God is that quote-unquote good person. Turn over to, to the right to James, the book of James now. The book of James chapter 2, verse 10. We see another definition here of what good is. Uh, James chapter 2, verse 10. It says, For whoever keeps the whole law, but fails in one point, has become guilty of all of it. So we can say, oh, well, you know, I, I never murdered anyone. I, I, I never committed adultery, but yeah, I disobeyed my mom and dad, you know, the Ten Commandments. But I did everything else. I'm generally, hey, I'm a good person. And I would say, yeah, my criteria, I would say, yeah, you are generally a good person. But in God's, if you sin in one area, one little sin, then you're guilty of it all. In other words, that one sin makes you not perfect and make you a sinner and in God's standard, not a good person. We would say you're a bad person, right? So you understand God's definition, what God is putting out. Romans 3 tells us that there is no one righteous. No, not one. We are all sinners. We are all sinners. So, Let's put it into our minds if you think about it. There's nobody good, right? Nobody. No human on earth. We're born with a sin nature. One little lie, yeah? One little selfish, jealous, lustful, it's mine, yeah? That's sin in our heart. No person is good. You know what this question really should be like? This question should be, why do good things happen to bad people? That's the way it really should be put up. Because none of us, none of us deserve any, quote-unquote, good 
to happen. We deserve the worst because we are sinners before the Lord. See, understand, I mentioned last week that God is, we know he's holy, right? That's his character. He's pure. We know God is righteous. There's no bad. There's no, you know, wicked. He's, he's totally, purely pure and righteous. We know also God is just, yeah? He's that pure judge, righteous judge. And so he has to judge sin. If he doesn't, he's wronging who he is, his character. And he does. We read in the Old Testament, New Testament, we'll see it in the end. We see judgment comes. But isn't it good to know that God is also love? God is also gracious. God is also merciful. God desires, like in 2 Peter 3, 9, that no one would perish. And so he's patient with us, giving us mercy and grace, waiting for us to get it, to, to repent, to obey him. Think about it this way. I wonder, in God's love, mercy, and grace, I wonder how many times did God do a good thing for us when we deserve the bad? That's another thought, right? Because that's what we deserve. So it might be better to say, why do good things happen to bad people? But I understand in our despair and loss, we, we, we focus in on that bad. And, but, but we cannot forget all the good that God has been doing. And probably way more than we ever, we've seen or we realize that he's been doing. All right, number one, bad things happen to ba- good and bad people. Number two, what we think is good is different from how God defines good. And here's number three to kind of clear up whatever premise you have and we have, I would say. Number three is God does not directly do evil, only good. God does not directly do evil, only good. If you're in James already, look at chapter 1. Look to the left, chapter 1 and verse 17. It says here, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Now, I understand God, you know, He does bring judgment. He judges sin. We, we understand that from the Word. And, and that's a bad thing for sinners, right? But that's the consequences for uh, a sin. He's a just God. So I understand that. Uh, justice has to be done. It'd be wrong for him not to bring justice. But God cannot do any wrong, like, from himself. He, 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 it's not his nature. He's not, as Satan is, evil and wicked. God is not the source of the bad and evil. James is telling us that, that the Father of lights, every, from the Heavenly Father come every good gift and every perfect gift. That's what God gives. So directly, He can only give us good. And that's why we say, you know what? God is a good God, right? God is a good God. He does good to us. Any good that, that we have, it comes from God. It comes from a good God who gives good gifts by his good love and grace. It's like Psalm 107, 1 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his 
uh, steadfast love endures forever. Psalm 34, 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. So we know God is fully good. So I just, I just want you to see that, that God will never do evil things, only good things. I was thinking about, I mean, this is really old commercial. And I'm saying old because I was young. I think I remember seeing this commercial. And you guys are older uh, do you remember that Maxwell House coffee commercial? And for, did you know for almost 100 years, they were the best-selling coffee in America? And their slogan was what? Good to the last drop. And I was thinking, you know what? There's no one in all the universe that is good to the last drop except for God. That's our good God. So we have to keep in our minds that God is good. He's not going to do evil or wicked things. So, God will never do evil things, only good things. But wait, you're thinking, wait, wait, but then the bad things, what's, where does that come from? What's the source? Well, similar to last week, here's number four. Bad things are the result of this fallen world. Bad things are the result of this fallen world. World. If you want to turn to Romans 8, uh, remember last week we, we looked at this too. And we established that we live in this fallen world. Romans 8, 22, we read, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Why is creation groaning? Because we live in a fallen world. Creation wants to get out of this. Creation is waiting for Jesus to come to restore the earth, to bring it back like it was in Genesis in paradise. But because of the fall of Adam and Eve, right, this world was cursed. Death came in, and now we have a sin nature, and now we live in this fallen world. The perfect paradise, right, was corrupted, fell into this fallen world. The, oh, I talked about last week, like, like the way nature runs and everything. It's corrupted. It's messed up because we live in this fallen world. So here we are today. We are fallen beings living in a fallen world affected by other fallen beings. So that's a mess, right? It's a whole mess. The natural calamities that happen, all of that. We're fallen beings. We do wrong. Other people, right? Sometimes we, we suffer. We'll talk about that next week. But we suffer the, the, conse- the, tr- the consequences of the choices someone else made. I mean, how, m- how many of us are living in that pain, right? Because of what someone else did. It's because, well, we're, we're in this fallen world. We're living amongst other sinners, right? So bad things are the result of this fallen world. On top of that, there's Satan and his minions, right? The demons. They too cause havoc. They too promote evil. They too uh, influence wickedness into this world. And it's all this mess is part of the fallenness of this world. So the main source of these bad things, it's not God. It, the main source is really this fallen world we live in. It, that's what's going on. So if you hear this question, here's an, another question, right? How can a good God do this bad thing? Right? We've heard that. Or how about, how, if God is loving, why did all these people die in Lahaina? Right? 
We know God is love. We know in the Bible that's his character. We, we learn, no, God is good. But why this bad? Well, God's not the source of that. It's this fallen world that we live in. God is not the source. The fallen world is. And listen. Listen to me with this. We cannot assume from God what the fallen world gives. Do you know what I'm saying? We cannot assume this is God, but it, you know, and give it like blame Him for what the fallen world gives. No, understand, God doesn't do that. God is good; He gives good things. And let me say this again: God is love. You know what He gives? He gives love. You guys, He cares for you. If you're in pain and suffering right now from all the things that are going on, if you lost a loved one, if you lost your job, you lost your house, you lost everything, you don't know, and you're just wondering, what is happening? What is going on? What's God doing? Just understand this, that he's there for you because he loves you. Think, uh, think about it this way. God is not this bad, vengeful God looking for ways to do things to you. No, he loves you. He knows what's going on. He knows the pain you're in. He knows the loss, and he wants to be there for you, to help you, to comfort you, to heal you. You know why I know that? Because of the cross. Because of the cross of Christ. If you think about it, that's the greatest show of love from God. It's the greatest proof of love that he would send, send, right? His only son, Christ, that Christ would come for us and die for us. Sinners, people that don't deserve it. Christ died almost 2,000 years ago for you, knowing you would be born. Christ died on the cross to atone for your sins so you can have a relationship with him, so he can be right, direct, connected to you to help you in times of, of what's going on now. now. He knew that before you were even born. And you know what? He died for you even knowing that you're going to be a sinner. You're going to rebel against him. You're going to do things against God intentionally. Yet God says, no, I love you. I died for you. Isn't that Romans 5, 8 says, but God chose his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's love, you guys. So don't doubt God's love because he already proved it. He already showed Shown you what it is. So don't let this confusion and you're trying to reconcile and your brain is short-circuiting. You know what? Don't let that overcome God's love and, and blind you to, you know what? Even if you don't understand, just know God loves you. God is there for you. All right. Help To help you understand this question, number one, bad things happen to good and bad people. What we think is good is different from how God really defines it. Uh, God will never do evil things, but only good. Bad things are the result of this fallen world. And here's the last thing we need to understand. In our, maybe our premise, our approach, our basis of our thinking, we need to clear up is this. Number five, the bad thing can actually be a good thing. 
the bad thing can actually be a good thing. And for that, turn over to Genesis, the first book of the Bible. And uh, Genesis chapter 50. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. Genesis 50, verse 20. Joseph speaking here. He's talking to his brothers who are like in fear that uh, their father had just passed away. And now it's just the brothers. And his brothers are thinking, oh no, Joseph's going to get us now. And Joseph says this in verse 20. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. See... Bad things happen. We are understanding that to everybody. Good, bad people, right? Bad things going to happen. But, and we understand God doesn't, he's not the source as we're in this fallen world. But what's that big word? God, why did you allow this, right? We, last week we addressed that. We know he's sovereign, he's in control. But why did you allow that to happen? Well, that's Another short circuit and connects us to last week. And we know God's sovereign in control. But we learned last week that he also powerfully, miraculously used disasters in the fallen world to fulfill his purpose. We looked at Romans 8, 28. All, all things, all things work together for good, yeah, to those who love God and who are called according to his purpose, okay? Well, it's the same idea here. With this question, God allows the bad thing to bring about a good thing. And that's what we see here in Genesis 50, verse 20. I mean, we know the story, right? If, if, if you don't go back here and read the story, I think it goes all the way back to, I forget, Genesis 30. But we know the story. Joseph, right, uh, his brothers got him, threw him in a pit because they're jealous of him. Uh, the father was, well, had, looked at him as a favorite. They're jealous. And so he got angry, threw him in a pit, sold him to these slave traders. His brothers sold him out. These slave traders, they sold him to Potiphar, Pharaoh's captain. And he, he, he was a servant or a slave. God blessed him. He became head of all the servants. And then Potiphar's wife comes on to him. He's like, no, no, I can't do that. I can't sin against God and, and your husband. And he runs out of the house. She grabs his, 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 his coat of clothes and, and, and leaves it there. He runs out. And then she cries rape. Unjust accusation. The husband comes home, throws him in prison. Oh, my gosh. What's going on? He didn't do anything wrong. He's thrown in prison, right? In prison, he's in there. God blesses him. He kind of gets, becomes head of the prisoner guy. He's there and helping out and everything. And then, lo and behold, the butler and the baker get thrown in prison. Pharaoh's butler and ba- ba- baker, they, they were accused of, uh, of perhaps trying to kill Pharaoh. Uh, they have a dream. God gives Joseph the interpretation of the dream. Baker, you're going to be dead. Butler, you're going to live. And that's what happened. And Joseph tells the butler, hey, when, when you're back in your position, just remember me. Remember, remember me, and maybe he could get up. Butler forgets about him. Oh, man. Terrible thing again. Right? He's stuck in prison still. Then what happens? Pharaoh has a dream about the skinny cows eating the fat cows. And it was all a prophecy of this famine coming. And, and he's, the Pharaoh's like, 
I don't know what it means. Isn't there anybody who can interpret? His guys, his spiritual advisors, they, could, they didn't know. And the butler goes, bing! I know someone in prison to help me. Joseph comes out, interprets the dream, and then he, uh, Pharaoh's all happy, and Joseph has a plan on how to survive the famine. So Pharaoh puts him in second in command of all of Egypt. Isn't that amazing? But that's not the end of the story because way over in, in uh, uh, where his family was living, they were suffering in a famine. They came to Egypt, and I'll, I'll, I'll make it long story short, is the family ended up moving, and the family was saved because of where God put Joseph to be able to provide for food for his family. When the family came, there's about 70 people in that family. When they left Egypt, there was over a million, maybe even two. And that family is the tribes of Israel. That family, God was making into the nation of Israel. So you see, God has his plan. That's why Joseph said, look, um, this, the good thing came about so many people should be kept alive. That's you guys. That's you guys. You meant it for evil, but you know what? God had a plan and his purpose in all of this. So do you understand that the bad thing can actually be a good thing? In our human perspective, what happened to Joseph, we're going to say, bad, 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 bad. And we could say, God, why did you allow this bad? But in the end, we see it worked for good, Romans 8, 28, Genesis 50, 20. So what we may see as bad, understand God can actually turn it to good. In other words, God's powerful purposes are at work. And that's what can make something bad turn to good. God, let me say this, God can, God will turn a bad thing into good in your life. That's what we see in Romans 28, 28. That's what we see here. Let me say again, God can turn your bad thing in some way, somehow, turn it to good. Understand that today. Let me help you a little bit more. I was pondering this too, you know, because we think about um, why does bad things happen to good people? I'm thinking bad things. What is a bad thing? Well, we have our definitions, like I was saying, what's a good person, right? We have a bad thing, and, and, and it popped in my mind one day. Um, I was selling a bunch of old surfboards, and, and I had one that was ding, repaired, uh, all yellow from the sun and everything. It was a custom board, and it was, it was one of my favorite boards, but now it's kind of old, yellowed, and everything. And I decided to sell it because, you know what, it was bad for me now. Well, someone on Facebook Marketplace contacted me. He came. It was a young kid just moved on an island from Brazil or something. He saw the board, and he's like, wow, this, this is exactly what I want. This is what I've been looking for. And my mind's like, really? But then I thought, well, here's a young guy, no money. It's a good price. For him, it was like, yeah, maybe it's a good deal compared to the other ones he saw out there. But he was so excited, and I thought, okay, there's that. That's true, that saying, right? One man's junk is another man's treasure. 
But it made me think then, what I think is bad, wait, God may see this good, and maybe to me it's bad, but God sees it good. And then later, I've seen in my life things that were bad end up good. Are you following me there? <laughs> but right? So I'm, I'm realizing, wait, I may look at this situation so bad. God, it's so bad. God, it's hard. I'm in pain. It's hard. I'm suffering. It's so bad. But Lord, you may see the treasure in it. How I'm going to grow. How it changes me. The lessons I'll learn. We're going to talk a lot more about that next time. Remember, God's providence, there's that word, is at work always. So life's appointments are not, or life's accidents are actually God's appointments. I'll put it that way. For God works his great purpose. Let me tell you about uh, one of my missionary heroes is Amy Carmichael. In 1895, she left England, her home, her comfortable home in England, uh, and went to India as a missionary there, where she remained there for really uh, the rest of her life, 56 years. She risked her life. She, she gave everything, surrendered it all to rescue children who were being abused as, quote-unquote, temple servants, like put into uh, uh, prostitution, like sex trafficking we call today. She was rescuing girls, and she opened up this orphanage. Well, in 1931, she accidentally fell, and for the next 20 years, she was confined to her bed. You think, what? She was doing so good. What? God, why would you allow that? But you know, it was during that time, she being almost constant in pain, she still managed a mission, but it was during that time she ended up writing 13 books that we have today. And if you can get a hold of any of her books and writings, it is so encouraging. It is so uplifting. She wrote this. She said, we must learn to pray far more for spiritual victory than for protection from battle wounds. Relief from their havoc, rest from their pain. This triumph is not deliverance from, but victory in. And I was like, wow, that's what it's about, you guys. That's how we find that victory. That's how we can go on. That's how we see that accidents are really God's appointments to fulfill his greater purpose. Listen, Christian history, these missionaries, they've all gone through it. We're all going through it as Christians. Remember, we're, we're going to suffer persecution. We're going to go through it as believers. Christian history is filled with people suffering, believers suffering, but they are testimonies of those who could have been victims, but they became victors in the middle of it all. Bad things. They'll either be your master or your servant, depending on your approach, depending on how you see God working in it or not. So, what's the answer? Why does bad things happen to good people? Well, just rewind the tape. No. Uh, <laughs> but let me just say it this way. Bad things actually happen to both good and bad people. But our good God can take the bad and flip it into a good that's the answer. So you understand we've got to change our premise to really understand that. And let me 
close with this. This is how you rise above the bad events. This is how you can soar. And I'll close with something Anne Graham Lott said. Um, She wrote a book called Why? Just Why? And in this, she writes about how we can either be a turkey or an eagle. I thought, yeah, sometimes I'm a turkey. You turkey, you know, kind of thing, right? But this is how she describes it. A turkey reacts to the threat of a storm by running under the barn. In other words, running away, yeah? not dealing with it. But the eagle leaves the security of the nest, spreads its wings to ride the air currents of the approaching storm, knowing it will be carried higher into the sky in a way it never could do on its own. And then she asks this question, which are you, a turkey or an eagle? I don't know about you, but I want to be an eagle here. And how we handle the events that are going on. Not a turkey, but an eagle. Remember Isaiah 40, 31, a couple weeks ago, we studied that. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength, and they shall mount up with wings like eagles. So let's do that. Let's mount up with those wings of the eagles and soar. Especially now, when tragedy strikes a fallen world. Let's pray. God, we confess to you we have not been perfect in this, Lord. We've been in despair, almost yelling at you, God, angry, wondering what is going on, not understanding, but Lord, thank you for the truth in your word that helps us, Lord, that calms us. To, and it brings, the word brings our eyes off of the tragic events to who you are, Lord. And that's where we need to focus in on. Lord, your word helps us with our pain, our sorrow. The overwhelming emotion that grips us sometimes, our tears that flow. But thank you, God, you're still there. Your grace is still there. You're still merciful, even when we're mad at you. You still love on us, God, because we know... You died on a cross for our sins. Jesus, you gave yourself. So even in our quote-unquote moments, God, you're still here. So Lord, be here for us today. Give us comfort and love, understanding in these things, and help us to know and hold on even more in faith that God, bad things can actually accomplish good things that you're working It's hard. It's, we can go up and down in this. But thank you that you're our constant, Lord. You don't change. So we cling to you, understanding and holding on that you are God. You are sovereign. You are all-powerful. You know all things. You have all wisdom. You love us and care for us. And because you're on the throne, you're still working even when we can't see it, even when we only see bad things, God. But help us to have faith that you're doing good things. In Jesus' name, amen.